0: Quarterly. Your host, Lee. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, fresh off of a one-week vacation, I am back, ready to go for another brand new episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast. Of course, I am your host, Armand Lee, and we've got a hell of a show for you lined up this week. I'm super excited about our guest this week, making his first appearance on the show, Zach Noble. Co host of the Four Seasons podcast. He's stopping by. We're going to run down some of the bigger topics nationally, specifically end of the season awards, because we've got a lot of great races and a lot of great, compelling arguments to discuss. So we're going to talk to Zach about all those things. Plus, Deontay Wilder pissed me off again. We were so close. We were so close. I thought we were actually going to get one. Of the two super fights that we could line up. But once again, Deontay Wilder and the sport of boxing drops the ball. I'll discuss all those topics and so much more. But first, our number one story this week. First quarter. You know, sometimes you get so caught up in the hustle and bustle of things, taking a week off to kind of just, you know, relax and to clear your mind does a world of good. And that's what I did last week. But in doing so, Man, it it, it was startling, you know, you know, the last show two weeks ago, I told you guys, you know, if I if I want to have an honest kind of uh, conversation with you all, I got to make sure that when I'm wrong, I admit to it. And Lord knows I've been wrong. I don't think I'm wrong that often, but I'm wrong. I'm loud and wrong when I'm when I am wrong. I'm like super wrong. I'm super loud about it. Borderline obnoxious. But. I will always fess up. And that's what I did two weeks ago when it came to uh, John Gruden and the Raiders. And maybe the biggest area in sports in which I've been wrong on. In fact, there have been three. There have been three people that I have been just, I'm talking about, just super wrong about. To varying degrees. But the three players that I've been the most wrong about and most vocally and loud and wrong about have been steph curry but i i don't even really get upset about that because everybody was wrong about steph curry i don't care if you went to davidson i don't care if you think if you thought steph curry was going to be an exceptional basketball player no one thought he would be a top 10 player before the age of 30 33 right i think what steph is 31 he's already a top 10 player i don't even i don't even feel like arguing that with anyone anymore And the way his game is built, barring any type of significant injury, his game ages extremely well. So we don't even know how high up that top 10 list he'll he'll reach. He's already got the same number of rings as Larry Bird and LeBron James. And I I don't necessarily know if he's going to stop anytime soon. We'll see. But I was wrong about Steph Curry. I have no problem admitting that. because we all were wrong. Number two, Blake Griffin. I thought Blake Griffin was going to be super soft. And, and I gotta say, there are moments when I still believe he is. Right? When he punched the, the, the trainer, I was like, that's just a sucker move, bro. Zebo, Steven Adams, a bunch of guys that pulled his card. He doesn't say anything, you know, but he flex on the on the on the team trainer. I was like, yeah, he's soft. He's sucker. But he's talented. And I did not think I'd be lying to you if I thought that however many years we've been in the league now with Blake Griffin, that he would still be putting up these type of numbers. And, you know, we can we can argue about just how productive he is. But I'd be hating if I said, yo, Blake didn't really put some egg on my face. But maybe the biggest player that I've been wrong about and I talk about this on this show all the time. If you know me, you already know who I'm going to talk about. If you don't know, this whole entire quarter is going to be devoted to him. It's Bradley Bill. I was wrong about Bradley Bill. And I'll probably have to always talk about how wrong I was about Bradley Bill until, you know, my last days, because I was so loud and wrong about Bill. Though I don't think I was wrong about his first four years. I do think he was extremely overrated in his first four years. I was wrong in saying that he would not... Grow and he would not develop. That that was it. I was wrong in my projections for Brad, and I will always have to cop to that, right? Because Bradley Bill, since since signing his max contract, a contract that I did not think he deserved, he has had two of his best seasons. Year five, immediately following the contract extension, he had his best year up until this season, and this season, Bradley Bill has played phenomenal like there isn't there's no other way to slice it I have no problem admitting I'm wrong because we all are wrong and I think sometimes you know especially in sports man the ego gets in the way of actually you know having a legit competent show and I don't want that to be like uh an obstacle for the quarterly report right Got to fess up when you get something wrong. You know what I'm saying? doesn't mean that it isn't a knock on you personally, right? But if you call a spade a spade, you're going to want people to to give you your credit. But if you're wrong, you also got to fess up. And I got to be honest, I'm actually happy that I was wrong here. I've met Bradley Bill twice, and it wasn't like any type of personal, you know, we had any in-depth conversation. Just met him once in the green room. He was the super, super cool dude, man. Cracked jokes the whole nine, man. It was a cool guy. And this is like in his second year. So it wasn't all of these accolades weren't there. Then I met him again, you know, maybe about two, three years ago. Obviously, he didn't remember who I was. But just seeing how he interacted with people who weren't like on-air talent, right? Just talking to people in the studio crew, talking to people just having a regular conversation. I thought that was super dope. And by all accounts, by people that I do know, who do know him personally, he is straight up a great guy, class act, classy guy, and you can tell that it matters to him, right? And I think all of that, all of those things are super dope. And if you are a fan of the Washington Wizards, I get why, like, who wouldn't want this guy right despite all of the things overcoming the injuries overcoming the early struggles of his career you get to watch a player grow into themselves grow into a confident nba player and now we're talking about a legit contender for an all nba award and i'm not saying that loosely like i said two weeks ago i was wrong about john Gruden, but damn it when i'm right about something Y'all want to make sure y'all hear it too. I was on this Bradley Bill All-NBA talk probably in January, end of December, January. And so many people were like, ah, man, he's not going to make All-NBA. Stop it. Come on now. Bradley Bill, bomb, bomb, bomb. He's not doing this. This is at the start of the year. Here we are now, almost April. And this is a real topic so real that nationally it's starting to pick up steam last week you could imagine my delight when i turn on the jump and i'm seeing rachel nichols and everybody talking about is bradley bill an all nba guy and i was thinking man and i know they're not listening to the show shout out to the few hundred of you all who listen to each and every week i appreciate y'all more than words can express and if rachel nichols who are a producer from the jump Actually, does listen to this show? Shout out to YouTube, but I'm not naive, right? <laughs> but the idea is starting to pick up steam, and it's not just the jump. I, I heard on Brian windhorst podcast. Um, shout out to Fred Katz I, again. None of these people listen to the pod, but Fred Katz, who's been a godsend to Wizards coverage in the DC area. If you guys don't listen to his pod or subscribe to The Athletic, I strongly recommend you guys doing so. But even he talked about it last week. And I was like, wow, this really is picking up steam. But then when you start to really break it down. Even in January, I was like, I don't know if it's going to happen. It's outside chance. At this point, I would say the money is on Bradley Bill making an all NBA team. Think about it. I've said this since January as well. There are four locks in my opinion. Harden, Steph. Dame Kyrie. I think those four players are absolute locks. Those last two spots, however, man, Russell Westbrook is going to average a triple-double for the third straight season. And I do believe that, you know, we have a bit of a triple-double fatigue, but it's still an impressive feat nonetheless. Russell Westbrook, offensive numbers, his offensive numbers this season have left a lot to be desired. But when you see a point guard getting 10-plus rebounds a game, that's still just an incredible an incredible feat. And yes, I do know that a lot of his teammates allow him to get certain boards. But it's not like his teammates are allowing him to get eight rebounds or seven rebounds a game, right? Maybe two or three a game, they'll let him get. He still has to go get them. But the thing is, the Thunder, Paul George is going to be first team on NBA this year. The Thunder currently are sitting in eighth. I don't know if the eighth seed gets two All-NBA team or NBA selections. Again, I'm probably, I'm probably leaning that Russ gets one, but I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't get one, right? But let's say Russ is the fifth person to get an All-NBA award. That means there's one spot available, and they're really, honestly, should only come down to two players, either Ben Simmons or or Bradley Bill. This is not me hating. Ben Simmons is one of my favorite players in the league. I think Ben Simmons is extremely undervalued because he has one large flaw in his game. So when we think of Ben Simmons, probably the first thing that comes to mind is all oh, Ben can't shoot, Ben won't shoot. We do that at the expense of all the things that Ben Simmons does incredibly well. And Joel Embiid is such a large personality. You know he's gonna make an all-NBA team. And then you have guys like Jimmy Butler on the team. Uh you have guys like Tobias Harris, players who may be a little bit slightly overrated, but they have large profiles. So in many instances, I think nationally, we look at Ben Simmons as a the fourth cog on a team that's winning, right? But we don't, we don't properly value how how dynamic and how impressive a basketball player he truly is this is all my opinion obviously and because we don't properly value ben simmons and because bradley bill has had a phenomenal year specifically since january i really think that bradley bill gets the last spot i think i would be shocked if ben simmons gets an all nba nod over bradley bill And this is coming from a Ben Simmons fan. I would be stunned. And that's not the knock. And and again, I'm not saying this as a backhanded compliment to Bill. They build. This has been his best season by far. And again, once you look at January, if you refine your focus from January. He's played for not. I mean, I'm talking about elite level basketball bradley bill the guy that i i thought was overrated the guy that i used to kill over and over again just about four or five years ago yes i was wrong and the fact that he's consistently done it nine in and nine out and that's not a knock right i keep on saying since january and so many people have tweeted this a few times and people say oh why are you trying to take shots at john That's not a shot of John. That's just the reality. Since John Wall went down, Bradley Beal has stepped his game up. Shout out to friend of the program, Kevin Broom. If you are a Wizards fan, I strongly suggest you follow his work on Twitter at Bullets Forever and on his his Twitter handle. Um, But he tweeted out, he had an article on Bullets Forever recently saying that Beal's game took a huge leap once John went out. But it even took a larger leap since the Otto Porter trade. So this is not a knock on Otto. This is not a knock on John. It's really just celebrating the, the season that Beale has had because overcoming the injuries, overcoming an incompetent general manager, Bradley Beal called out Ernie Garfield to his face, right? Something that I haven't heard any player do before this. He deserves roses for that alone. And then stepping up when the players around him couldn't or wouldn't show up. You can count on Brill, Bradley Beal, 9 in and 9 out, to put forth his optimal effort. And this year, since the start of 2019, there haven't been, player, there haven't been that many players who are putting forth a better effort and producing more than Bill. And I do think that he gets awarded for that. I do think he gets an all NBA honor for that. But I got to say, man, it's becoming very interesting in the in this area in D.C. Because now that it is a reality, now that it's not easily dismissed as it was in January when I first started talking about it. You are starting to see Wizards fans, Wizards fans act in strange ways because there is an absolute divide. There are now Wizards fans, fans of Bradley Bill, who do not want him to get all NBA honors. That's the lamest thing that I've ever heard. And this is coming from someone who was critical, who was so wrong about Bradley Bill. I want Brad to get all NBA honors because that is an incredible award. Imagine the validation not that he needs it. He knows he's an amazing basketball player, but from where he started into where he is now, I can um, I can only imagine. Right in the in the greatest league where the best players, the, the greatest basketball players play. You are being awarded for being one of the 15 having the best 15 seasons, you know, relative to your position in the league. That's amazing. I can only imagine the honor So when I hear Wizards fans saying, oh, man, Bill's not going to make it. Bill doesn't deserve it. The Wizards aren't winning enough. Bill shouldn't get it. I'm like, man, y'all, that's hate. I get accused of hating all the time, but I never do that. I want every player to get their money. All of them. And the reason Wizards fans, I got to believe, are... I wouldn't say hoping, but are champion that Bill should be left off the list. Isn't because they dislike Bradley Bill. It isn't because they don't appreciate his game. It's because they don't trust the organization. Because you and I, and everyone listening to my voice right now, we all know if Bradley Bill gets all NBA, I'd be willing to bet the house that the team offers him a max or super max contract this offseason. Now I'm not going to discuss whether bill is worth it. If you just look at from January to now, he's playing phenomenally. I am adamant about this. Unless we're talking Giannis Anthony Davis level player, meaning a high quality player, but also at a young age, Kawhi also, I'm not really a big proponent on offering a Supermax contract to a player when you have two years left of team controlled contract. It's the reason why I was against John Supermax. Right. And I'm a John fan. I've always liked John Wall. I never thought John Wall was as good as a lot of other people did. Right. Some people thought John was better than Giannis two years ago. That magical three years ago. Now that magical 2016 season. I never bought that. I thought John was a top 20, possibly top 15 player. But I was against offering a Supermax when they did because they still had two years left on his deal. And look, hindsight is 2020. We know how that played out. John Supermax hasn't even kicked in. But will the Wizards learn from the mistake that they made just two years ago? To me, that's fascinating because so much is in play based upon whether or not Bradley Beal makes an All-NBA team. It's one of the reasons why I thought the Wizards should trade Brad prior to the trade deadline. Not that Bradley Beal wasn't a good player. Not that Bradley Beal wasn't capable of playing at an elite level. But because I don't trust the team. You know? you know. Do you got the friend... Who just doesn't do well around liquor and alcohol you know so you and your buddies after work like hey let's go to the after like, let's go to happy hour but you try not to say it around a friend because you know if he comes it could be a situation whether he gets obnoxious he starts a fight he's being inappropriate all types of wild stuff right you know the saying is fight temptation i've always disagreed with that you never fight temptation Because temptation will ultimately win. You avoid temptation. So if you're the person who can't handle your alcohol well, don't go to happy hour and say, you know what? I'm not going to drink. Just don't go. If you're the person who has trouble being for uh, trouble with infidelity, like you can't be faithful. Don't flirt with, you know, your coworker, your attractive coworker. Leave them alone. Right? If you're someone who struggles with the weight and you're trying to lose weight, don't go to the all-you-can-eat buffet because they've got this raving review in the paper. Like, you know what? And Say, uh, you know, I'm going to go to the all-you-can-eat buffet and all I'm going to do is eat a salad. You lying! Stay your ass home. <laughs> you know, eat some soup. You feel me? Don't fight temptation. Stay away from it. And that's why I thought the Wizards should have traded Bradley Beal. Because the temptation will be there. It absolutely will be there for the Washington Wizards to give out a Supermax to Bradley Beal. And again, I'm not saying he should or he shouldn't. I want Bradley Beal to make as much money as he possibly can. And if Bradley Beal can play an entire season the way he's played these last three four months, then... The conversation is completely different, but I don't know if he can. I don't know. And I wouldn't want to pay Bradley Bill Supermax when I've already have John Wall for a Supermax four years. That means two of those years are going to overlap. And I don't know how the team can build anything. Anything remotely close to resembling a winner. With both Bradley Bill and John Wall accounting for close to $70 million of your of your tax or your payroll. I just don't know how that happens. But again, I think that's the reason why so many Wizards fans that I come across or hear or see online, I think that's the reason why they don't want Brad to make an all-NBA team. Because they are scared of what the team will then end up doing. But it's important to note, just because Brad makes an all-NBA team does not then mean the team has to offer him a Supermax. There are options. There are options, guys. None of us, none of us who are reasonably intelligent, none of us who have been paying attention to Wizards basketball for the last 16 years has any faith in Ernie Grunfield. And I have to believe that this is the year that Ernie is gone because this offseason is huge. This this one decision looms so large. And and I think that we are coming to the point where this decision, this potential decision, will become a reality. I believe Bradley Beal will make an All-NBA team. So what happens next? And who is in charge of making the decision? Because if he does make All-NBA... Then you have a hard conversation with Bill, who has said he wants to stay here. He said if he can, he wants to die in a Wizards jersey. I believe at that moment he felt that way. I also believe that after losing so much and him playing so much and, and playing so well, this is the momentum the team is having is going in the wrong way, right? The team is heading in the wrong direction. Last year they were an eight seed. Two years ago, they were one game away from the Eastern Conference Championship. This year, they're going to miss the playoffs. And next year, it doesn't seem like they'll make the playoffs either. I think trading Brad has to be at least on the table. Not saying they should, and I don't even think that they will, but it has to be on the table. So too, does offering him a supermax contract. Not saying that I would do it, not saying that the Wizards should do it, but it has to be on the table. And this is why it's important, imperative, that Ted Leonsis, this offseason is huge. And it starts with the owner. We're not, We're not going, we're not looking at Ernie anymore. It starts with the owner. Will he make the decision that should have been made years ago in firing Ernie? I think that's a slam dunk. But then who does he hire? These are all fascinating questions that I have relative to the Washington Wizards, but to the entire NBA, because if Bradley Bill does somehow become available, damn near every team is going to put forth an offer. Because these last three years, these last three months, excuse me, have without a shadow of a doubt put Bradley Bill into another level, a level that just a handful of years I never would have thought he could make. Give that man his roses, bro. Whether you're a Wizards fan or just a, a, an onlooker or a lover of the NBA, don't root for a player not to make an all-NBA team because you fear of what your, your favorite team would then do. No, that's not Brad's fault. But we are witnessing a very, a very impressive, productive, amazing season by Bradley Beal and sit back and appreciate that and then we'll cross that bridge when we get to it all right guys i do want you guys to let me know though because i'm curious how you guys feel do you think the wizards should offer bradley bill supermax extension if he makes an all nba team i think he will do you and if he does do you think the wizards should offer a supermax do you think that they should trade him or do you think they should just let it ride out you know, if he gets another All-NBA team next year, then we could discuss it. But this season, you feel like the Wizards should learn from the John Wall situation and just say, you know what, prove it again. All of these, all of these conversations should be happening, but I want to hear from you all. Let me know what you think should happen with the Washington Wizards as it pertains to Bradley Bill. Hit me up on Twitter at Quarterly Show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. Or you can email me at Quarterly Report. At gmail.com. Again, we spell quarterly here. Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. All right, guys, we're going to step off the hardwood. We're coming back in the fourth quarter to discuss something on a larger level. But for right now, we're going to step inside the square circle for our second topic this week. Second quarter. You know what? I dare you to sit up there and say, you know what I'm talking about, man. It's fighting people. You know we've been fighting 400 and still fighting to this day to this day to this day man he don't sit his ass down oh my goodness yo for those of you who do not know that is the sound of heavyweight champion deontay wilder prior to his fight this past december versus tyson fury now i have to admit i bought in not to this fight but way back when 10 plus years i guess 10 years or so ago I bought into the hype and the hype machine, the hype trainer surrounding Deontay Wilder was and is still, you know, full steam ahead. But you understand why people got so excited for him. He's an athletic, charismatic American boxer. There isn't a heavyweight that I can think of, you know, and I'm not trying to be hyperbolic, but when you look at him physically, the way he fights, And the, I guess his, his natural superpower, which is his right hand, I mean, both hands really, but that right hand, he's got thunder in those gloves. You get it. You understand why people were seduced by American boxing is back in the heavyweight division. Finally, we've got somebody. Finally, there is an an engaging, entertaining, charismatic American heavyweight boxer who isn't just trying to win on points. He's trying to beat your head in. We haven't had that. When was the last legit American heavyweight boxer? I mean, we tried to do it with Ariola, but in reality, what we what we thinking? I mean, Rockman, we tried to build him up. No. Briggs been Briggs still trying to fight bombers. You know what I'm saying? But in reality, we are talking about Holyfield, Bo, Moore, maybe. It's been that long. It really has. So when Deontay Wilder came in, it was a breath of fresh air. It was a generation full of Linuxes. and then it was the Klitschko brothers, right? And then we believed, yo, Deontay could be the guy to finally restore American heavyweight boxing. So we believed it and we kept overlooking the flaws. It's like, okay, he's young. He's raw. But he's still winning. But at some point, man, we got to take the training wheels off. And as the American public has continued to fail to do so, I actually don't even blame Wilder for his arrogance and his inflated self worth when it comes to the sport. Because if I was in that position where no one ever critiqued me honestly, when everyone always accused everyone else and everyone always pointed the finger, Yeah, i start smelling my stuff too, feeling myself. And again, he's got the best punch in the sport. Tyson Fury knows it firsthand. Tyson Fury outboxed, outclassed Deontay Wilder for 36 minutes, well, about 33 and a half, 34 minutes. But Wilder laid Fury down twice. One time in the 12th round when the fight was already had. You understand that fight was already won in fury again, because he's undisciplined physically, mentally, emotionally. He tried to be cute and Wilder laid him down, but I'm not even here to talk about that. Deontay Wilder has been telling people for years, for years that he wants Anthony Joshua, Anthony Joshua scared Anthony Joshua is ducking him. He's guaranteeing a $40 million fight. All this other stuff, boom, 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 boom. I never believed him. When has Deontay Wilder been able to draw forty million dollars a fight? Who, who, when, where's the capital? How does he? How was he able to do that? Seriously, I could just throw down a number. And be like, hey, I can get Stephen A. Smith to be a co-host on the quarterly report. I got forty million. He gonna look at me like, man, you can get out of my face. But Bamas ate that joint up, and to his credit, he took the best fight that he could make with with Fury. They didn't get damn, they didn't get anywhere close to forty million dollars for that fight, but they did better than anyone I think realistically could have expected. And then Tyson Fury, the same guy who was saying Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua were scared and that they didn't want to make the fight, what did what did Tyson Fury do? He took the First check that came way with top rank. Could have had a rematch with Wilder, a, a rematch that could have made real money, a rematch that people actually would have been super interested in. Heavyweight title, two charismatic fighters who had a, a very good, um, they overshot the, their initial fight and there would be interest and intrigue. But he ran. He ran to top rank and Bob Arum. There are no heavyweights over there. He took the money and ran. And I'm not mad at him. I'm for any athlete, any athlete make as much money as you possibly can. But if you're in a combat sport specifically, get all the money you can because you're you are literally losing bits of your health every single time you step in the ring, whether it's for a fight or just a spar, pieces of your future, pieces of who you are, do not come out the ring with you. So make your money. But don't talk about how people are scared of you or how people are ducking this person Or how you're bringing shame to a sport. Tyson Fury should have took the rematch with Deontay Wilder. I do not hold that against Deontay Wilder at all. I'm looking at Tyson Fury nuts. However. However, the zone and Eddie Hearn represent Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua, who is the second biggest fighter in the sport. Only behind Canelo Alvarez. The biggest name in the sport of boxing. Anthony Joshua was number two y'all see what's going on with the zone they've got a little baseball happening there's talk that they're trying to get the Sunday NFL ticket is not going to be exclusively with DirecTV anymore a lot of people think that the zone is going to get be a part of that the zone is the future of not just boxing but could be the very could be the future of sports of how we ingest and take sports in this country. And Anthony Joshua, again, the second biggest fighter in the world. They gave him a, they gave Deontay Wilder a three fight contract worth a hundred million dollars. You can add up any three fights in Deontay Wilder's career and they would not add up to a hundred million dollars. Three fight contract, including two fights worth Anthony Joshua. I'm sorry, two fights versus Anthony Joshua for 40 million apiece. First fight, $20 million. Two fights after that, 40 and $40. There is no way that Deontay Wilder gets more money than that. And he turned it down. He turned it down. I don't want to hear it anymore, Slim. I'm tired of everybody caping up for Deontay Wilder. I get it. We want the American heavyweight back. I get it. Deontay Wilder is fun. He's funny. He's engaging. And I get it. He's got the best punch in the sport. He can't box. Tyson Fury took close to three years off, fought one tomato can, and then got in the ring and went 12 rounds with Wilder. And and won! They called it a draw, but everybody who saw that fight knows that he won. He... He went 12 rounds with staverne the first time. The second time, staverne was looking like an offensive guard. And then knocked him out in one round, but that wasn't anything. He had fun years. Wilder can't box for all the athleticism, for all the power, for all the speed. He gets in there with guys who you can tell aren't elite athletes. He gets in there with guys who you can tell don't take conditioning, right? Don't prioritize conditioning. It sometimes he gets them out of there quickly, but more times than not, he struggles. Goes six, seven rounds versus guys who should not be able to, who should not be able to keep up with them. I will give Deontay Wilder his credit. His last two fights, the best two fights of his career. Fought Luis Ortiz, fought Tyson Fury. I thought he lost the Fury and he came back. He was on Dream Street versus Ortiz. But don't talk about how Anthony Joshua, Eddie Hearn are ducking you when they give you a three-fight contract bigger than any three fights that you've ever had for $100 million, and you turn it down. And I'm just thinking, what is the plan here? What's the plan? Because if Fury and Wilder or at least on the same page, then, okay, they have some leverage, right? Because in in the heavyweight division, however you break it down, AJ, Fury, Wilder, those are the three biggest names, and those are the, the biggest fights that people want to see, right? Whether it's AJ, Fury, AJ, Wilder, or Wilder, Fury, those three fights would be the biggest. But Fury made his move. He left, he split. He didn't want the rematch with Wilder. So that that ruins the leverage for both Wilder and Fury. We talk about leverage all the time in sports, right? Whether it's an individual player trying to renegotiate, whether it's the players' union trying to renegotiate, however the case may be. I am becoming more and more convinced that though we know the definition of leverage, most of the sporting world just don't understand how it's applied, including athletes. Because if we did, if Deontay Wilder understood leverage, he would he would see the landscape in the heavyweight division. Anthony Joshua, as I said, it's the second biggest name of the sport. He's got all but one of the belts. He's younger and he makes more money than any of the other heavyweights. He's got all the leverage, all of it. Anthony Joshua was getting ready to fight his first America fight in the U.S. versus Miller in New York. He is coming over, trying to engage the U.S. fan base because overseas he's selling out Wembley. He's selling out outdoor stadiums. He's got Europe locked. He's coming to America. If Anthony Joshua beats Miller, which we all think he does, he's already said he wants Ortiz next. That's going to end 2019. Who's next for Wilder? He's already fought Ortiz. He could do it again, but he's going to have to wait until AJ because Ortiz will absolutely take AJ over Wilder because guess what? AJ comes with the money and AJ comes with all the belts. So who is he going to fight after his next fight? Tyson Fury already says he's done. Fury's fighting some dude I never even heard of on ESPN. Because Bob Arum knows what he's doing. Bob Arum's got two of the best boxers in the world and can't find a fight film Any of them. And yeah, I know Amir Khan's going to fight Terrence Crawford. But what's after that? They don't have any leverage. Anthony Joshua fighting Miller, fighting Ortiz. And guess what? Oleksandr Yusik just moved up the heavyweight. If Oleksandr Yusick fights two heavyweights this year, guess what happens in 2020? You've got Anthony Joshua versus Yusick. And again, that's now three fights now that Anthony Joshua has that has nothing to do with Deontay Wilder or Tyson Fury doesn't have anything to do with him. He is set. And at that point, you know Tyson Fury is going to come calling. Hey, man, can we get this fight? Because he wants the money. Deontay Wilder talks a great game. We heard it. We heard it to this day. Man, sit your ass down, bro, because I'm tired of it. I've been waiting 10 years for you. Everybody talks a good game around Deontay Wilder. How come he didn't fight Klitschko? Tyson Fury fought him. Anthony Joshua fought him. How come Deontay Wilder didn't want to? I think that's a legitimate question. Because we know he don't want to fight AJ anymore. He's banking on himself. Is that's how they're spinning it? He thinks that he could get or he can deserve more than forty million dollars a fight versus Anthony Joshua. Okay, that's cool that you believe that in yourself. Show it. But you ain't on the road to doing that, brother. You're not. $40 million. $40 million. He thinks that he can draw $40 million in a fight versus anybody he couldn't get 40 versus Fury. I don't understand it. And it's hurting the sport. It's hurting the sport that I love, right? Because everyone knows Fury, Joshua, Fury, Wilder, Wilder, Joshua. Those fights need to happen. We want to see it. And especially now that Usyk is moving up, we've got a fourth legit contender for the championship title. Now, Usyk has not fought that heavyweight yet, so we got to wait and see. But I, I know what he is. He's a monster. Deontay Wilder's been talking a good game, and he's going to keep on talking, but he's going to get passed up. He's lucky. He's lucky he still has his belt because we all know he lost to Tyson Fury. But it's going to be another European fighter who passes him up. Just like AJ before him, and just like Fury did this December. It's going to be Usyk, and we're going to be stuck with Deontay Wilder and his, and his minions continually blowing up the timeline and talking about how nobody wants to fight him nah slim you had your chance you've had multiple chances and at every turn you keep running away from the smoke if that's the case brother cool get the fire alarm but stay your ass outside man don't come in the kitchen don't do it anymore Because your actions are speaking louder than your very loud words, bro. So simply put, Deontay Wilder. Man, sit your ass down. Man, sit your ass down and stay down, bro. You had a shot and you don't want it. That's cool. But leave all this stuff, all the theatrics, leave it alone, bro. Because you're not cut out for it. You're not cut out for greatness, clearly all right y'all y'all heard the horn that means it is halftime man i i felt that one in my soul bro i try to shoot him so much bail time and time again and he just keep on talking you feel me you a heavyweight you got the punch you got the punching power that everybody in the sport would love what you doing with it gonna turn down a hundred million dollar three fight contract don't even sound right but you know what's gonna happen He's gonna keep on running his mouth. He's scared. You scared, get a dog, man. For real. You scared, take your ass to church, bro. It's cool. It's cool. Shit, I don't wanna fight Anthony Joshua. (laughs) I don't wanna fight Deontay Wilder. You feel me? But I don't run around talking about how I'm the best heavyweight in the world. It's cool, Slim. You know? You know what I'm saying? Pick up a basketball, man. Play in the big three. Do something. You would make, make a lot. Of, you played in the big three, you'd probably make just as much money as you would with all these other little lame-ass fights you got on the, I'm done. I'm sorry, y'all. I could talk about this all show. I'm done. Well, calm down. You feel me? I'm going to calm down. But while I calm down, I want you guys to check out Halftime this week. This week, Halftime is about our favorite sports commentator, one Stephen A. Smith. I have learned. Right, Because a lot of people, a lot of y'all don't like him. And I get it, right? He's a lot. He is truly a lot. But you have to look at Stephen A. Smith like a performer, right? Like a showman. Almost like a professional wrestler. You hear Stephen A. Smith say something and you're taking him seriously, I get how you would be up in arms. But here at the Quarterly Report, man, we are here for the people. So we are going to help you. Those of you who hate Stephen A. Smith, we are going to help you understand the performance art that is one Stephen A. Smith via WWE Superstars. Take a listen. Are
1: you tired of Stephen A. Smith and his ridiculous hot takes like this? Not only should he want out, and, and the answer to that question would be yes, not only should he want out, I think that he has enough money uh, because he's got about five years after this season on a new deal that he signed and what have you. I think that Devin Booker should arrange to have himself killed. Him.
0: Well, what about?
1: If Stephen A. Smith said the exact same thing, but it sounded more
0: like this. Not only should he win out, yeah, he should. And the answer to that question would be yes, absolutely, yeah. But not only should he win out, I think that Devin Booker, yeah, Devin Booker, he has enough money, yeah, because he has about five years, oh yeah, after the season on a new Deal that he signed or whatever yeah And thinking he did okay yeah I think that Devin Booker should arrange to have himself kidnapped oh yeah dig it yo no bulls yo Stephen A. Smith is a professional wrestler and if you view or listen to anything he says with that through that lens then I think you're going to be okay like you can't listen to Stephen A. Smith and think you're getting credible nba information i i cringe when i even hear him talk boxing right but if you watch Stephen A. smith then i don't watch first take but from time to time some of the clips pass my my timeline and i do check them out and i laugh because i take them with a huge grain of salt i'm like yo he knows what he's doing he's over here performing and the performances if you're looking for humor they work i send them joints off to my sister all the time my sister can't stand them right But I'm just like, yo, it's funny if you just sit back and just listen to it and take it for what it is. Just absurd takes trying to get you to laugh. Joe, him saying that Devin Booker should try (laughs) to get himself kidnapped. Dog, that's hilarious. I don't care. I don't care what you think about him. I don't care what you got to say about him. I don't care how awful his takes are when he is trying to be serious. That Devin Booker should have himself kidnapped is hilarious. Is absolutely hilarious, and to me, Stephen A. Smith as the macho man, God bless the dead, saying it is even funnier. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. I enjoy doing it, but that's enough time talking about Stephen A. Smith. It is time to get back into the show. Halftime is done. Halftime adjustments have been made. We've got two quarters left to finish up strong. So without further ado, I'm welcoming in my guest this week, Zach Noble. All right, guys, I'm super excited about my next guest. He is making his very first appearance on the show. He is the co-host of his own podcast, the Four Seasons Podcast on lineups. Make sure you guys download, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, wherever else you listen to the podcast. The one and only Zach Noble. Zach, thank you so much for joining me this week on the Quarterly Report.
1: Armand, we've been following each other for a while, interacting on Twitter, and glad to be here.
0: Oh, no doubt, for sure. Thank you so much for joining me, and it's really... You know, I want to talk about this a little bit later in the show um, because, you know, so much is made about the ratings this season and the ratings are down, but this season has been so amazing. It, it really has felt like one of the better NBA seasons that we've had in quite a while. And I guess just as an example, there's so many like little small individual races or awards that. Are already going to come down to the wire and that's what we're going to kind of focus in on during this interview we're going to start locally you know I'm, I'm out of the dc area and i can't say it's the biggest story this season for the wizards but it's one of the biggest stories just kind of the emergence of bradley bill you know i've had the wear crow about him e crow about him for basically the last five years i never thought that he would end up being this caliber of player. And there are still a lot of question marks, don't get me wrong. But if you just look at the 2009 years since the turn of the calendar, he's been amazing. Um, And it has led the fan base and the team to some really interesting conversations. So I'm, I'm curious about your perspective from the outside uh, looking in. Do you feel that Bradley Beal is an all NBA level player this season? And if so, do you think the Wizards should offer him a supermax contract obviously um making an all NBA team you are then qualified to getting one of those large contracts do you think the Wizards should kind of do what they did just a few seasons ago with John Wall and give Bradley Beal this year this time a supermax contract with still two years of team control left
1: yeah you got it so um honestly I was one of those guys um that was really high on my element thought I was gonna be overrating him coming out of Florida. Uh, right. just I, I loved his body. Um I loved the way he moved without the ball. I thought he had defensive potential. Um he had a way of getting into guys and um I was really high on Bradley Beal um coming out in two thousand eleven. Right. Um but two thousand and twelve draft, sorry. Uh but honestly Career-wise, up until this year, I mean, I was I was a little uh, I definitely thought he'd be better than what he has been. Um, never really liked the John Wall Bradley Beal pairing. Uh, right. Definitely was really concerned about Bradley Beal's defense overall up until last year. I saw a lot more signs, and um, I was one of the, in the one of the few that um, blow it up even before John Wall went down. Right, uh, because I, we've seen their ceiling. I mean. I feel like Bradley Beal was almost this good last year. I mean, he's definitely understood the role of the number one option and um, different perspective for him. But, I mean, he's probably grown as a leader. Uh, But overall, I I think we know what we're getting out of Bradley Beal the last couple of years. And, honestly, he's not the number one guy. And if he was in this down-eastern conference, he should have been able to bring this team to – a few more wins, especially the way he was playing. Um, I definitely don't want to say they're empty numbers, but I really liked, I mean, I thought they had enough talent. I should say I don't really like, but I like the talent enough to be able to slide into that A seed if Bradley Beal was a bona fide winner. Um, and that's the part I was concerned about. So um, honestly, he's definitely got a chance to make all NBA third team. I would have to, break down my teams, it's gonna be very close. It'd be like a decision between him and Clay Thompson probably or DeMar DeRozan. I'd probably lead the other way even though Bradley beal's numbers are absurd. I just am one to take a lot into winning.
0: I'm gonna push back just a bit, man. You know, because I I do think Beal has played um really well and he's been dealt a pretty bad hand. Now, if you want to tell me that, you know, the Wizards in the Eastern Conference, like you were just saying, should have more wins I'm with you. I mean, look, obviously the wall injury kind of just blew everything up and then trading Otto mid-season. Um, but even with that, I'm not the biggest fan of the Wizards roster, but when you look at Charlotte, when you look at Orlando, those teams don't have more talent than the Washington Wizards. So if you wanted to, you I think we would, could, would agree. Um, if Bill does not make the All-NBA team it's not because his numbers don't warrant it. It would be solely because of lack of team success. And as someone who's been very critical of Scott Brooks, um, i probably lie more blame towards him than I would in terms of Bill not being a winner. That right,
1: and you made a great point. I mean, compared to like a Charlotte Hornets team, uh, I think the talent around him is arguably better because I'm a huge Bobby Portis guy. I like Saturansky and Thomas Bryant's really emerged. This is like right. some of the best big core that he's had in his time in right. Washington. So I don't think there's really much of an excuse for making the playoffs and that um is credit to Scott Brooks as well. Um but as for blowing it up, that was another question you asked. I, I'm all for it, man. I, I right. really think I really think it's it's time because John Wall, I mean, you're gonna be wasting Bradley Beer Feels career, and I, I think sooner than later, he's going to be begging to get out of there, even though he says he's a Washington lifer. I just don't see him being that patient. Um, he's, I mean, he doesn't have any ties, like, family-wise, or he's not from there, so he didn't go to school in the area. Um, yeah, there's really nothing I see. I mean, players change their minds every day. Right, <laughs> right. So right. L- 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 let's be honest. I mean, you're not only – thinking about thinking ahead of time but it's for the better of the franchise to go after somebody in this good draft here and you can get a lot for Bradley Beal absolutely for
0: sure for sure i mean like his stock will never be higher than it is right now so i'm with you in that regard i do think the wizards should should really consider um using Beal as a way to um restock restock the 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 stores if you will but That leads us to another issue. The man in charge in D.C. can't be the guy to trade Bradley Beal. So there's a lot of work to be done for the Wizards this offseason. Once again, guys, I'm joined by my guest this week, Zach Noble. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at Zach Noble, Z-A-K-N-O-B-L-E. He is the host of the Four Seasons Podcast by Lineups. Make sure you guys download and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, wherever else you listen to the podcast as well. So, you know, that's kind of the local flavor here in D.C. in terms of the NBA right now. But if we kind of, you know, widen the lens, widen the focus, there's so many other topics that are happening. And one topic that I've been fascinated since the start of the season has been Luka Doncic versus Trey Young. You know, I've been a fan of both players, and I was excited about both players. But I felt some type of way, man, because literally since draft day, it has been billed as Trey Young versus Luca Doncic, and Luca, you know, God bless him, man. He hit the ground running day one of this season, and you know, part of that is because he's been a professional basically since he's been a teenager. You know, he's been a professional overseas, and he was ready for everything that the NBA had to offer him, and he's played like it all year long. For Trey, you know, he did struggle to start the season, and again, a lot of people wanted to write him off, and again. I feel like, man, we we get so quick. We get so caught up to try to build rivalry, like manufacture, I should say, manufacture rivalries and put guys up against each other as opposed to just sitting back and enjoying both guys' career. And what you're seeing now, really after the All-Star break, Trey Young has taken his game to just a completely different level and has been playing some really, really amazing basketball for the Atlanta Hawks. Um, My question to you is, do you think Trey Young's kind of strong into the season is enough to I don't know catch up to Luka Doncic and make this rookie of the the year race competitive
1: yeah honestly there's so many people that made their mind up way too early on. I
0: exactly. was
1: was almost there I was a part of it even though I was a huge Trey Young believer um uh, from the beginning um uh, I just Luka was coming out of the gates and um this has been a hot conversation recently and a lot of guys, I respect the people that are actually having this conversation because right. there's so many people that won't even entertain it uh, right. because a lot of it's Luca just riding this wave of coming in, being this highly touted unicorn coming in sort of deal. I guess you can consider him a unicorn. He's a six, eight right. point guard, exactly. um, plays multiple positions, but, um, uh, He just had a really high wave and people never came down from it. I think he's definitely exceeded expectations from a rookie standpoint. You got to put it into two different perspectives and that's the rookie versus the overall NBA. And people are overrating him in regards to the overall NBA, but most people are uh, putting it in proper perspective for a rookie year. That's exceptional. But as for Trey Young, um, he definitely has his categories where he's better than Luca. He's, if you're saying Luca's more of a winner, that's just incorrect. I <laughs> literally has had a way better second half of the season. Um, it's been pretty impressive to see. He's almost, he's definitely been the better player the last three months and there's no denying it. Whether okay. it's numbers winning, you name it. I test, he crosses all the boxes. So it's one of those things like that. And, and, uh, MVP is very similar to this but uh, I think this race I still have Luca by a smidge but if Trey Young he's on a two-game winning streak right now if he continues this a couple more games I'm honestly I'll be going that way Uh, where where are you at here
0: yeah you know I'm a huge fan of Trey and I'm, I'm just glad that he's playing so much better now because so many people like I said earlier were just so quick to write him off I had people saying that you know, people I'm cool with saying he's going to be just like Jimmer and all this other stuff. And it's fun to watch him play. And I, although he's turned his game up, I don't necessarily believe that there is much he would be able to do to catch up with Luka. Because, again, Luka has played at a high level since day one. You know what I mean? And while Trey is playing better than Luka as we speak right now, I mean, I think there, there does there is something to be said about playing high for, at a high level, I should say. For a whole season as opposed to just kind of coming on strong um but and either in any event man i'm just glad that both guys are playing well because it's one thing to kind of have a natural rivalry and maybe these two guys develop that over time but it feels like this has just been so manufactured right because people wanted to put luke up versus trey and we just instead of holding both of them up at a high level it was just we were pounding trey young while Luca was playing so well and, and you know the internet just took off with Luca had having fun with him at the expense of Trey and I feel sometimes man when we when we try to force a rivalry like if it happens bong I'm cool that's dope but just forcing it man it takes away from all of us just kind of enjoying two amazing and you know potentially superstar level players of this league yeah
1: uh, I, I personally enjoy that part. I'm going to disagree with you there. I, no, go ahead. There, there's, no, there's no denying it, for sure. Like um, That's what makes sports amazing and the, the competition, the rivalry, and I, I personally enjoy that. But, yeah, you got a point there. definitely takes away from appreciating and taking them for granted, and that you do um, when you're just so focused on who's better, who's better. It's just like the Jordan-LeBron debate. It goes back and forth, and you're only focused on, one other player versus that player at hand. Um so you lose focus of how great that player actually is. Um but I mean it's also fun. I mean it's all it's all about being the best in sports and it's all about winning. So um you gotta have those guidelines and by standards and whatnot. Right. Uh, but I, I I think from where I'm at, I think this thing could be very, very close for a long time. I don't I definitely say Lucas ceilings. a higher just from the defensive perspective right. um but like right now i say lucas Luca uh yeah. could be a top three player at the point some point in the nba where trey i could see him being a top seven player i don't see him being much higher than that yeah
0: man the thing is about both of these guys is that they're phenomenal talents and they do present kind of game-changing threats obviously lucas the bigger guy you know what i mean and he's a jack of all trades so You know, I I would have taken him number one if I was the Suns GM. I would have drafted Luka number one. But with Trey, he's got obviously the shooting ability, but he's also an amazing passer. And as he's starting to get comfortable with the NBA game, you're seeing his passing starting to to take off as well. And, you know, Atlanta has a nice young foundation. Obviously, Dallas, they went in with uh, Chris Stops and, you know, they hope to build a core that way. So. Hopefully, like I, I go back to uh, the organic rivalry, hopefully we start seeing Luka versus Trey, not for rookie of the year, but maybe 10 years down the line. These two guys are, you know, fighting to, to lead these two teams to a championship race and possibly MVPs. But I, I, I just think that the, the future for both players is just super exciting. Once again, guys, I'm joined by my guest this week, Zach Noble. Make sure you follow him more on Twitter. He's at Zach Noble, Z-A-K-N-O-B-L-E. Is the host of the Four Seasons Podcast, presented by Lineups. Make sure you guys download and subscribe. Download and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And Zach, you know, we've talked about Bradley Bill and his all-NBA quest, kind of dive into the rookie of the year race, and now, obviously, the biggest race of them all. It's the most valuable player. It's going to be my last question to you, man, because... Usually these individual end of season awards, they they bore me. And the MVP race specifically, maybe there are a few times, you know, I think it was Kid, Duncan, Kobe, Nash, Shaq, Nash. They were somewhat interesting, but we're talking over 10 years ago for all of those things. Now, you know, this has been the best MVP race that I can remember in in quite a while. And every time I'm willing to, to go to one side, the other player does something else that's just like changes my my perception and it makes me rethink my entire thought process right obviously it's James Harden versus Giannis Antetokounmpo I'm curious how do you break down this MVP race and ultimately who do you think or who do you think yeah who do you think deserves the MVP trophy
1: you got it and this honestly is even closer than the rookie that you're absolutely, race. And it's, absolutely. It's, ver- it's very similar in the fact that Giannis is great from the beginning and um, it took a while for Harden to heat up, uh, uh, rightfully so, yet a lot of circumstances and right. a lot of con- context goes into this. And um, the big debate is, I mean, historical numbers with Harden versus team winning, what do you prioritize? So it's it's literally putting it all in context. And yeah. uh, my thing, I've always said from the beginning of the year, if Giannis gets to 60 plus wins, it's going to be very, very hard for me not to give it to him. Right, uh, But the fact, fact is, it's it's so hard for me to deny that James Harden, I mean, his numbers are so historical. I mean, he's putting the highest point-per-possession season in history. And exactly. this is, yeah, it's above eight Michael Jordan years, Russell Westbrook's historic year, Kobe Bryant, Steph Curry's, like, he, he's beating them by two points per, right. per possession, too. It's insane. And so... Just down the list, I mean, I have their stats brought up in front of me, of like Mono and Mono. I mean, advanced they're very close. Sure, I mean, basic stats. I mean, James blows them out of the water with the points, and that's uh, that's a, that's a big thing. I mean, he's putting up numbers that haven't been done, like literally ever. I mean, Jordan yeah. and Wilt. You're you're looking at Jordan and Wilt. So he's won enough games. He's brought a team that's been vacant and hasn't been yeah they i mean literally g-league guys and that and that's the biggest thing where if you take Giannis off the box i still think they're they could fight for a top five seed um there is talent in the top of the east and honestly my opinion on the east about two months ago or a month ago even was a lot higher but these guys the celtics have not been consistent all year like they have not played to their potential the Sixers, even with all the talent they have, they're still trying to figure things out. Like the East at the top, the talent there, Kawhi hasn't been playing. He only plays like one every three games. Like it's not that tough. So looking at the 60-plus wins that they're probably going to get really isn't even that impressive because the Bucks have been so healthy. they just got an amazing coach. And a lot of this I give to Bud. And I, I called this. I said this was going to happen. So compared to my expectations, it's tough, man. It's all—it's putting everything into context and where it all lays. I—I I, right now I go to Harden, but it's all—it's going to come down to the end of the year for me. I mean, Harden has literally had eight games this year above fifty-four points, three sixty-point games. Like he's had way more statement games, and that's a big part of what it comes down to. He's been screwed out of a couple MVPs. I mean, you definitely should be giving this to him because Giannis' time will come. He's going to earn his right.
0: Right. Harden's
1: earned his, and he's earning it right now. And he he wants it. He plays like it. Like, he's not taking nights off. Giannis is going to be taking a couple nights off to rest. Like, the dude wants it. And I think we should award him for that, the fact that he wants to play every single night. Um, You can argue both ways, sure, but – I just I just think we got to award James Harden for giving it every single night. It
0: will be fun. You know, I I think I'm probably leaning Giannis right now. But, again, I wouldn't be upset if James won it either. Uh, both guys are playing phenomenal basketball. Both guys have been doing bat, like things that I would have never thought were possible in today's NBA specifically. I mean, Giannis is putting up numbers that resemble Shaquille O'Neal. And like you said – Harden is doing things only Wilt Chamberlain and Michael Jordan have ever done. So there really is no wrong answer. It's exciting. It'll be a fun, uh, I guess, about five, six more games to the end of the season. And then obviously the playoffs start. Once again, guys, I'm joined by Zach Noble. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at Zach Noble, Z-A-K-N-O-B-L-E. He is the co-host of the Four Seasons Podcast by Lineups. Make sure you guys download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and more important, make sure you write and review the podcast, man. Those, those reviews are very, very important, man. So go ahead jot down a few notes after you download and subscribe and take a listen to a few of the episodes. I really, uh, recommend it. Zach, thank you so much for joining me this week on the quarterly report, man. It's been fun, man.
1: Armand, great conversation, man. Fun time, anytime, and you have a good one. All
0: right. Once again, thanks to Zach, but We've got one quarter left before we call it a show. So without further ado, we're going to finish up strong with our fourth topic this week. Fourth quarter. You no, know, In the previous quarter, I talked to Zach Noble about all the interesting topics that are, you know, swirling around the NBA this season and how there's just so many interesting teams and phenomenal players and coaches who are having a, a tremendous impact on teams and there's just so many amazing storylines, and I truly mean it when I say that this has been one of the more enjoyable seasons that I've had the privilege of watching in, in quite a while. I mean, not just, you know, having one superstar team. I think when LeBron went to Miami in those first few years, it was it was amazing because they were kind of like the sun in the NBA solar system. Everything revolved around that Miami team. And then, you know, when Kevin Durant went to Golden State, it was similar. In that last year of Kevin Durant in Oklahoma City, we had something like this because there were three teams that we all knew were really good and we just didn't know how good. We knew Golden State, Oklahoma City, and the Cleveland Cavaliers were three really amazing teams. And that Western Conference Finals between Golden State and in Oklahoma City was phenomenal. Obviously, that NBA finals where Cleveland came back from 3-1 was historic. But that was kind of centered around just three teams. And there were obviously nice stories, but nothing along the lines that what we've seen this year. I mean, whether it's James Harden carrying the offensive load, carrying Houston to 50-plus wins, whether it's Giannis, I did not see Milwaukee. I thought Milwaukee was going to fight for a four or five seed. I did not see Milwaukee playing at this level, having the best record in the in the league, and Giannis, again, putting up numbers similar to Shaquille O'Neal. That's that's insane to me. That is insane. And then you have Denver, who is for some reason just flies under the radar. You know, I think Nikola Jokic is absolutely, or he should be, in the conversation. He won't win because Giannis and Harden have had such an amazing year. But I do think that Nikola Jokic's season should garner more uh applause and more credit because denver has been right there atop the western conference either in the lead or just a little bit behind golden state all season long and then you have the eastern conference where for eight years right eight straight years we knew that lebron's team was going to go and then lebron leaves and then you've got toronto who you know i've talked ad nauseam right they they went for it and i appreciate it and they keep on going for it and then you got philadelphia who went for it and then they went for it again and the tobias trade, right they traded for jimmy butler what feels like forever ago and then they re-upped and went after tobias harris and then you've got boston who had all the preseason expectations they were my pick to win the championship this year they've struggled but they've still found a way to be competitive they're right there i mean they could theoretically still win 50 games you know, you have, obviously, we talked about Milwaukee. You got Indiana, who lost their best player. And then the, Sabonis continues to improve. And then they're still fighting. They they still may have home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs, which is nuts. I mean, it's just been so exciting, so fun. But I feel like the narrative about this season is going to be about the ratings. And this is one of the things that I always harp back on to, man. I don't care about the ratings, right? I care about the ratings as it pertains to sports that I feel aren't being covered enough, right? So when you watch, when I watch boxing, and I'm like, hold on, man, boxing's ratings do better than all these other stuff that gets all this attention. Why isn't it that boxing doesn't garner more interest, or not interest, more coverage, right? Um, When you have someone who is a huge supporter of the women's basketball game, right? And they're like, yo, we, we deserve more coverage because when you cover us, our ratings do well, our ratings do better than this, 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 that gets all the attention. How is it that we don't get that same amount of attention? How come that you don't cover? Like, so ratings in that context, I'm big on, right? But just what did well and how many people watch this and why do people like that type of stuff? I don't mind. I, I it." it's beyond pointless to me right and i don't know why so many of us as fans care what uh, what number a certain show or a certain game or a certain event did right again if you're using it as a tool right if you're a hockey fan and you're like yo our sport did this and this is doing better than all these other sports can we please get a little bit more attention can we please get a little bit more coverage cool But if you're the baseball guy who's bad at football or any other sport, like, oh, man, you guys only did this, this, this for your all-star game or the NBA guys, like, oh, you guys only do this number for your championships here. Like, that stuff, I don't care. And I don't know why anyone cares. Unless you're a television executive or the commissioner of a league, I have no, it means nothing to me what the NCAA tournament did. It does not make me enjoy the tournament anymore or any less. Opening day is, by the time you guys listen to this podcast, the 28th, it's going to be today, right? I don't care what numbers baseball does. If you're a baseball fan and you have all these people talk about the sport is dying, that shouldn't matter to you. Do you enjoy the sport? Because if you do, enjoy it, right? It doesn't matter. But for whatever reason, when it comes to the NBA, this entire season, you got so many people talking about the NBA and they will overlook the phenomenal play. This has been one of the more compelling seasons, one of the more compelling seasons that this league has had in a long time. But only people want to talk about the only thing people want to talk about is the ratings drop. And I don't care. I, I personally don't because I've enjoyed this season more than I've enjoyed any season that I can remember in almost, probably a decade. I have no idea who's going to come out of the Eastern Conference. No clue. I told you guys that I never thought that Golden State was this dominant force, and it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to win a championship. And I'm even more convinced now. We all know the numbers of the Warriors when DeMarcus Cousins is on the floor as opposed to when he's not. I think that that is a... That is a obstacle that is eyeing them right in the face. Maybe it'll be versus Houston. The Golden State Warriors may play Oklahoma City in the first round. You mean to tell me that we wouldn't want that? I just feel that the NBA, they do a great job at marketing their players because their players are the biggest asset. But so often, and we all kind of, are at fault at this, I suppose, because we only focus on the number one guy. Like, we break down errors based upon who the number one guy was. You know, you think of the 80s, you think Magic, Bird, 90s, Jordan, and then a little bit of Liza White. And then when Jordan retired, it was Shaq and Kobe, Shaq and Kobe, Kobe, and now we're in the era of LeBron. And we do a disservice to the entirety of the league when we just focus on one player. And I mean that when I say LeBron James and the Lakers, it, the experiment this year didn't work out. We talked about it a few weeks back with my guy Wally, a Laker fan, but you don't need a Laker expert to tell you that the Lakers and LeBron in year one, it just didn't work. We know that. But the NBA focuses so much on the Lakers. Like every week the Lakers are on TV and I get it, right? It's the glamour franchise with the best player, or maybe not the best player, but the biggest high profile player in the league. But I feel like they do a disservice to that because you'll hear all these national guys dismiss Milwaukee and they'll dismiss Toronto. And they're like, oh man, you know what? There's always, just like they do Denver, there's always one team who's never done it before and they don't, you, you got to learn how to win the playoffs. Milwaukee's not going to do anything, yada, yada, yada. And it's it reminds me of what people said about Golden State when Golden State first got great that first year of Curry, the year they first won a the championship. There were so many quote unquote experts who were still using the jump shooting teams can't win in the league, can't win a championship. And unless you had the league pass, unless you're like a diehard NBA fan like myself, where I'm assuming you, if you're listening to this podcast. So many people didn't know how great Golden State was, and the league missed out. Now, they, they bounced back that following year. They're like, yo, Golden State is fun. Look at how many people love watching the Warriors play basketball. Maybe the NBA isn't just LeBron and D-Wade and Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. We've got other stars, too. And Golden State has been living like rock stars the last four seasons. That's kind of how I feel about this year. We've, we've spent so much energy focusing on LeBron James and the Lakers and the Boston Celtics that we have done a poor job at looking at, yo, Toronto plays fun. Toronto is a fun team. Denver is fun. Have you watched the Nuggets play in Denver? It's just up and down, high-flying basketball, Nikola Jokic with amazing passes from this big, pasty, doesn't look like he's in great shape, but still somehow is unstoppable force. James Harden is doing Wilt Chamberlain-esque, you know, performances on a nightly basis. Giannis is, has the most personality in the entire league almost. I mean, how fun was it having, Giannis stole the show in the all-star kind of, you know, captains picking teams event. Like he was the best part of it. And I feel like the league has to get better at not just identifying whoever is at number one, but looking at the, the, the totality of the, I mean, come on, Joel Embiid is dripping with personality. Like, I go back to the Christmas Day schedule, and I just think, man, they just dropped the ball. Philadelphia versus Oklahoma City should have absolutely been a Christmas Day game. Russell Westbrook versus Joel Embiid. How much fun is that? Anytime those two teams play, it is amazing basketball because they go at each other's necks and you can tell the alpha personalities on both sides don't like each other. So you know everyone falls in line. Joel Embiid in Philadelphia, Russ in the Thunder. Toronto has one of the best home atmospheres in the league. And guess what? I don't want to hear, oh, that's a Canadian audience, yada, yada, yada. Toronto may very well be playing in the finals. The league should be trying to get people to warm up to Kawhi, to warm up to Toronto, because the narrative for the Raptors for so long has been, you know what, they're great in the regular season, but they can't get it done in the playoffs. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the main culprit for them—they're underperforming in the postseason, he's not in Canada anymore. He's in San Antonio. And they got one of the best players in return. And Toronto was having fun. They're playing. Toronto plays the style of basketball that is insane. And they probably pre- Toronto plays the style of basketball that I think we all thought Boston would. Everybody can do everything. Pascal Siakam is growing up in front of our own eyes. He's developing. They... They could win the championship, and I don't think that the league has done a good enough job highlighting and showcasing the Raptors. These aren't the same old Raptors. This is a new Raptors team with a new energy, a new focus, a new vision, and a real championship ceiling. That happened this year. This year. Houston won 60-some-odd games last season. They've had injuries galore, but they have built themselves into a top-four seed off the strength of James Harden this year. I mean, go down the line. There have been so many entertaining, interesting, fascinating teams and players and races, but the league falls back on the crutch two crutches, really, the Lakers and LeBron. We've only got like a week left of that. There's only a week left of that storyline, and then that comes to an end until this offseason. But there are going to be an amazing set of playoff postseason matchups this year, so many of some. But unfortunately, I think the casual fan will not know, and all will hear, people who love the sport, people who are enjoying the sport about it's going to be about how the ratings have declined. Not the actual play because the play is much better this season. Again, one of the best, most enjoyable seasons that I've had. And my team is the Knicks. My favorite team is the Knicks. The team I watch more than any other team are the wizards. And yet I've enjoyed this NBA season far more than, than I did when the Knicks won 54 wins of just, a, what, five years ago. So everyone's going to talk about why the ratings are down and how the NBA is, you know, on the, of the cusp of a disaster extension level event. All the hyperbole will be flying around. You know it's coming and you know who's going to be saying it. But if you're an NBA fan like myself, Man, it's time to block out the noise. LeBron used to go zero dark 30. He ain't doing that this year because his ass ain't made the playoffs. But man, this postseason, I can't wait. I hope Adam Silver and the league understand what they need to do moving forward to avoid the type of conversations that inevitably will be going on throughout the NBA postseason about the ratings because the ratings will drop. But the ratings will drop because the league has not done a good enough job this season on showcasing that they are bigger than just one team and one player. Let me know what you guys think about the season. Let me know what you guys think about the postseason and all the topics that we discussed discussed so far on the show. Deontay Wilder, Bradley Bill, and anything else in between. Hit me up on Twitter at Quarterly Show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. Or you can email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Again, we spell quarterly here, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, report at gmail.com. And if you do not mind, please head on over to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or wherever else you listen to this podcast. Leave a review and five stars if you'd be so kind. Let me, let your friends, and let the whole wide world know why you love the quarterly report. And why we are the best sports podcast going, I truly believe it. I truly do, man. Who else is going to give you Stephen A. Smith and the Macho Man in the same segment? Come on, Slim. Who loves who love you, baby? Come on, hold me down. All right, guys. Once again, I want to thank my guest this week, Zach Noble. And I want to thank each and every one of you all for listening to the Quarterly Report podcast. I will be back next week. No more vacation. I will be back next week with another show. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the tournament. And I will see you back here for another episode of the Quarterly Report.